Hey witches, welcome back to the House of Magic podcast. I'm Whitney, your resident witch, and today I want to keep it pretty light and breezy. Last week we covered Samhain, which whew, that was a big one, a really heavy one. It just had a ton of information and it was really challenging for me really to keep it all together, um, just to say everything that I wanted to say and to put into it with, without making it go forever and it still went forever. So <laughs> anyway, um, I'm still new to this whole podcasting world. So by contrast, today I would just like to have a very laid back chat and I did title this episode so you want to be a witch, which sort of, it sort of describes what I mean, but what I'm really trying to talk about today is how to build your magical practice. Um, so this is relevant to people who are just starting their magical path, but also, you know, even for more experienced practitioners, I have done this so many times and I'm sure if you've been um, on this path for a while that you've done it to yourself at some point, if not doing it right at the moment where you can feel guilty when you don't feel as though you are practicing your craft or as connected to your craft as what you feel like you should be. And, you know, this can come in, you know, slumps, you know, you can, you can have a slump where you're really not feeling into it or just life can get busy and you just don't have the time to, to fit in the things that you want to do. And then you have periods where, you know, you're living your most magical witchy life and everything's fantastic and you just feel so connected. So, you know, it's, I feel like it's natural to go in and out of these phases and have these fluctuations, but it's probably not necessary for us to be so hard on ourselves when we are in that, in that dip. So um, no more, no more witch guilt. Thank you very much. Um, so what I would often do is when I'm trying to think about, you know, getting back on track or, you know, increasing the amount of magic in my life. The first thing that I think of is I go to all the elaborate things, you know, like, oh, well, maybe when the next full moon comes up, I'm going to do this big elaborate ritual and get back into it. Or I'm going to clean my entire house and I'm going to cleanse every nook and cranny in this mother. Like I just go to these big extravagant things and then what tends to happen, especially if I haven't been doing very much is I go, Oh, that just feels like a lot of work. <laughs> you know, it's just, and, and it does, it just, it feels extravagant, elaborate, and just too hard basket. You know, sometimes it's hard to really kind of get that excitement and that energy happening, that motivation. And I use that word with air quotes, that motivation to kind of really do it. So what I like to do is focus on the smaller everyday things, the smaller ways that I can integrate magic into my day-to-day -day life and often, you know, with things that I'm already doing as part of life. Um, I find in that way, kind of like in meditation where, you know, you, you start focusing on your breath and then throughout, I know this is true for me, I'm sure it's true for you, at least at some point, where your mind wanders and then you go, oh no, I'm not meditating, My, <laughs> I'm doing this wrong, um, 
bring it back to the breath, but then you bring it back and then your mind wanders and then you bring it back. And it's that action of bringing it back and coming back to that breath in that moment. That's the important thing. So for me, rather than doing a big elaborate ritual, which is fantastic and a great thing to do, I'm definitely not, you know, trying to discourage you from doing that. But when you're trying to build up that practice again and really kind of try to make your life day in, day out, you know, a relatively magical experience throughout the mundane, throughout the everyday things, um, then it's kind of like that meditation. So by implementing tiny things into your everyday tasks, it's like coming back to the breath and having that moment. It's coming back to your spirituality, back to your craft, back to your core. And even if it is only for a moment or for a couple of seconds, it's just that brief little reminder and that reset back to that place. And then you, you know, keep going on with your life. You know, like most of us didn't just wake up one day and live this witchy ass life from dawn till dusk, (laughs) you know, like it's a craft, it's a practice. And just like with any other practice, it takes time to develop and hone and it will probably change over the course, you know, of of the the days, months, years, um, it will change and develop. Um, and you know, which I imagine if you're continuing to learn and to grow as a practitioner, I would almost like, I would expect that your practice would change over time. Your insight and wisdom will just continue to grow and grow. And there really is no end, which to me is one of the most beautiful things about the craft, but it can also make it really scary at times. You know, this can bring about, and we've spoken about it before, pardon me, it can bring about those feelings of inadequacy. You know, am I good enough for this? Um, you know, am I ever really going to know everything that I need to know about this? Am I, am I, am I good enough? Am I witchy enough? Am I magical enough? And there's just so much knowledge out there that it can be really overwhelming. Um, I have 100% felt like this at times and, you know, I've had many occasions where I have not felt witchy enough. And this is something that I am just so hell bent on warding off this podcast. I want everybody listening to feel as though you have a seat at this table and to never feel inadequate or dumb. There are no dumb questions. There are no, yeah, you know, don't feel shy around other magical people. We're all here to to learn and to grow from each other. But, you know, at the same time, taking it with a grain of salt, this is all of our own journey and our own practice. Okay. So how do, how do we set aside those feelings if you have them and how do we go from just being interested or being in a slump or being too busy for magic and how do we actually start practicing it how do we get back into routine or start to you know develop develop our craft so i would say there are two things so the first thing that i would do number one is pick something that's appropriate for you so if you have asthma then maybe don't start by smoke cleansing your entire house, (laughs) you know, or like if you've got really bad hay fever 
and it's springtime, then yes, nature is a big part of the craft, but that doesn't mean that you have to go outside and, you know, take off your clothes and get your skin onto the ground, um, you know, in order to, <laughs> in order to ground and, and to do earthing if it's going to break you out in rashes and sneezing and just be awful for you. Okay. You know, that's, that's not appropriate. So number one, picking something appropriate for you. And number two would be pick something that actually interests you, that actually gets you excited. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're not good enough or you don't know enough yet. I would say just dive into that thing that piques your interest. There is no A to Z, A to Z, wherever you're from. There's no A to Z of, of magic. You know, it's not like day one, welcome to magic school and day one, declare yourself a witch. Day two, finish your grimoire. Day three, cast your spell. Day four, all your dreams come true. The end, you know, it's that there is no set structure, no syllabus, no, no guideline that's going to say day one, day two, day three, step one, step two, step three. This is your own craft and your own practice. And there is so many different places that you can go. So please don't ever feel like you can't really get into something because you feel like you don't know enough of the, the foundational information to get there. I would say just go with what you're excited by. So, um, an example of that would be, say you are really into kitchen magic and you want to you're so ready. You're ready to hop in the kitchen. You want to start brewing some, you know, potions and brews. You want to make some recipes and you're really, really keen about it. And then you read somewhere that in this recipe that you're keen to try, you need rosemary, but they make a, a note of referencing in there that, you know, ideally this should be rosemary that you've grown yourself and that you should, um, something where you should have developed a magic, a magical connection with this plant, um, in order to really, you know, make this, this recipe, this, this working, this spell really potent, you know? And so you can look at that and be like, well, shit, you know, like, okay, my rosemary from the pantry is not good enough for this. So I need to grow my own rosemary, but, oh, what if you don't like, what if you're not interested in gardening? or planting? What if it's not appropriate for you? What if you don't have the money to be able to go out and, and purchase the things that you need to purchase in order to grow this rosemary? Or what if you're, um, just not all that excited about gardening where it just makes you kind of cringe getting your hands in the soil. This is just an example. I'm making all of this up, but you, <laughs> you get the idea of what I'm trying to say. So from one moment, you were super excited and super keen to delve into something, but then something has made you question your knowledge, your ability and whether it will work and whether it will be good enough. So instead you go, oh no, I can't do that because I need to learn this first. But what if that thing doesn't really excite you or interest it or interest you? What if it's not appropriate? Then that's going to be a really hard thing to maintain it's going to, you know, in this example, it's like, oh, well, great. I'm super excited to this thing. Now I've got to wait for the rosemary to grow, you know, and then you're waiting, waiting. You're losing that, that steam, that excitement. Oh, this is taking a long time. I don't really like gardening, you know, so 
it just kind of, it, it would be very easy for that to fizzle out. So my recommendation would be, hey, if it's appropriate, if you've got a kitchen and you've got the ingredients and you are, you've got your recipe and you're excited to go and you're interested, then get in that kitchen and make that recipe. Who cares whether your rosemary is, you know, it's been, it was bought from the supermarket and it's been sitting in the cupboard for two years, you know, why not use that rosemary? Let's, you know, that's, to me, that's very in line with mother nature by using something that was being neglected in the pantry and actually using it, not letting it go to waste, breathe that magical life back into it and, and just see how you go. So then you've got the excitement and then you're starting to build momentum. And then as you do that, you might find, you know what? I'm actually, I'm, I'm loving rosemary. I love this herb. I would love to know how to grow it. And then you might start looking into how to go there. But that stemmed from that initial excitement that you had. You didn't get into it when you weren't excited about it. And it doesn't matter if you do it and you're like, yeah, you know what? I've got absolutely no intention of ever growing my own rosemary. That is completely fine as well. So I really hope that made sense of what I'm trying to say. There is something that I... It's a great way to build your magical practice. Strike while the iron's hot. Do what is exciting and what is interesting to you and what you can actually, you know, feasibly and, you know, literally make happen. Um, I, and you might disagree with me, but I have this theory that I've been developing for a little while where I don't believe that motivation actually exists. Okay, like I just... I just don't. The amount of times in life where I've sat around just waiting for motivation to strike me, to like to hit me over the head, and you know, whether it's with like fitness or cleaning the house, you know, just waiting for it to happen. And then if I do get some motivation, it really doesn't last very long at all. So to me, the real key is momentum. It's just doing that one small thing and then it gives you that bit of momentum to keep going. So, you know, how often have you or, you know, I'm sure this has happened to a lot of people where say you needed to clean your house and you really didn't want to, but you just thought, you know, I'm just going to get started. Like, I'm just going to make the bed. So you're cleaning your bedroom. I'm just going to make the bed. And then you make the bed, but then you're kind of like going, you know, so then the idea of, okay, I'll just pick up the dirty clothes off the floor and put them away and oh, I'll take out these dirty dishes and you build that momentum instead of looking at the big picture that, oh my gosh, this whole house is filthy and now I need to get it clean or, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything magical. I need to flip it around, turn this on, on its head and I need to be living this magical life doing rituals from, you know, six hours a day. Like you just don't have to. So start off small, build up that momentum. And yeah, so that's my theory. Motivation sucks. It's a myth. (laughs) Don't wait for it. Don't wait for motivation to strike. Build some momentum and start small. Um, Yeah, that's that. So, and really what motivated me to talk about this with you today is actually a book that I've been reading at the moment. Now, this is not a metaphysical, it's not an esoteric book. It's nonfiction. Um, I think it would be from say like the self-improvement section um, of the bookshop, but 
It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. This is a very, very popular book. It's sold millions of copies. So I'm sure if you kind of like those self-improvement books in that genre, I'm sure you have heard of this book. Um, I've been wanting to read it for a really long time. I have seen it in a lot of book reviews, whether it's like this individual book by itself or whether it's, you know, kind of like in a compilation list that someone's put together. But I didn't get this book for magical purposes. I got this book because, and as it says on the cover, Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. Um, And at the top it says, tiny changes, remarkable results. So at the time I wanted to make, you know, some big fitness and kind of health changes in my life. And so I thought, hey, what a good way to start building some good health habits. I'll I'll get this book that I've heard about from, you know, everywhere and I'll actually read it and try and put it into maybe it can help, maybe it can help me. So I really, really love this book. I, I highly, highly recommend it. It's not a hard read. It's an easy read. And if you know whether you're reading metaphysical books and often in the self kind of improvement category, there can be books that just they're just bought. They're a hard read. It's not to say that the content isn't beneficial or that like you can't get some really great stuff and and useful things from the book, but you sit there and you're just bored and you're like, wow, this is a marathon to get through this book. This one is really easy. It flows really nice. And so it's just a, yeah, a nice, easy read, easy to understand and to apply. But the interesting thing that happened is while I was reading this book, I couldn't help but look through it through a magical lens as well. And the whole idea is creating habits, um, you know, creating the ones that you want to create. And at the time, I remember just thinking, I am not magical enough. I'm not doing enough on a day to day basis for my craft. So with that ever present in my mind, as I was reading through this book, I just kind of kept applying it and I just thought, wow, this actually, this actually is really relevant and can really work and could possibly help you guys as well. So I highly recommend you purchase this book if you're interested. Otherwise, you know, borrow it, like go, go to the library. Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll have it. It's, it's such a, such a popular book. Highly, highly recommend. So one of the things that he talks about is habit stacking. Now, what does he mean by habit stacking? So basically the the idea for this formula is taking a current habit, something that you currently already do without fail, and then adding a new habit, something that you want to create and, and want to do and putting it together, but being specific about it. So a really easy one would be um, waking up. <laughs> so, you know, in most cases we would wake up in the morning. So that's something that you don't need to think about waking up. It's just at some point you are going to wake up. So tying say a new habit, say you want to meditate for two minutes a day, then maybe you can say, okay, when I wake up, I meditate for two minutes. So it's tying it to that thing that you are already doing. And I've been using this for a really long time, well before I actually read this book. Um, but it was just so interesting reading this to go, Oh, that's, that's what it is. 
that I'm doing and that's how I'm creating it. And it's interesting. These are the ones that tend to stick or at least, you know, go for, go for quite a while over the ones when I'm just kind of, you know, in the past when I was waiting for motivation to strike and it just would not work. Now, I don't want to go through and give away all of the gold nuggets of wisdom in this book because it's not my book. I didn't write it. Um, you know, this all belongs to James Clear. So like I said, I do highly recommend if you are interested in learning more about, you know, the science behind it and how to make it easy, then yep, yeah, I, a great book to read. But in saying that, um, yeah, I'm trying to just kind of navigate, showing you, explaining what it is that I'm actually talking about, about the habit stacking um, and where I, you know, kind of got that information from, but at the same time, leaving leaving his wisdom in his book. Okay. So I hope, I hope that made sense. Um, so looking at that through the magical lens, I was just thinking, okay, so how can I integrate magical practice with already established habits, things that I was already doing throughout the day? Um, so my recommendation would be to start with something small, um, and kind of have like a trigger. So some sort of cue and then your reward. So for example, um, when I wake up, the first thing that I think of is coffee. <laughs> so that's, I wake up, that's the, the thing that I'm already doing. I'm already triggered. I go, yep, coffee. The reward is my coffee. So what I could say to myself is, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm when I wake up, and when I make my coffee, I'm going to think about my intention for the day. I'm going to stand at my kitchen window. I'm going to look outside. I'm going to think of things that I'm grateful for, set my intention. And as I stir my cuppa, I'm going to set that intention for the day. So it's already something that I was doing before. I already wake up. I already make my coffee. But now instead of that just being kind of like a mindless habit where I'm not I'm not mindful. I'm not thinking about anything and I'm definitely not being magical. I'm now turning that into a magical practice, even though it's already for those couple of minutes and I'm not really adding in that much extra, but it starts off my day. Bang. I'm in that magical place straight away. So I've got just, I've written down just a couple of different examples and ideas of some things that you can do just everyday little things. Um, now, these do not reflect what I believe that you should be doing. Okay, so no shoulds, but do I, I encourage you to just design and create your craft as you see fit. So like I said, do what interests you and what's appropriate for you, what sparks your curiosity. So these are just some examples so you can kind of um, understand what I mean about tying it to a mundane task. Um to kind of help you at least establish some sort of consistent magical practice and working throughout your everyday life, because we all live in the everyday world. I have some very unmagical moments, you know, I've got responsibilities. <laughs> I have a different kind of thing. We call it the witching hours and I'm a parent of two young children. And I'm sure if you're a parent as well, you understand what these witching hours are, but it's somewhere between 4.30 PM and 7.30 p.m. And it's that time of the day where it's just crazy. 
It's chaos. You know, you've got hungry, tired children. They need to be fed. They need to be washed. They need to be put in their pajamas. You do their nighttime routines and read their books and you're, you know, kind of packing for the next day. And it is nuts. The witching hours, a crazy, crazy time of day. Now, I do not feel magical (laughs) during those witchy hours, okay? I am... I am 100% in just day-to-day mundane life at, at, at that point, even though I do really enjoy and love being a parent, that time of day is very, very full on. So, you know, we all have our everyday lives. We have jobs, we have school, we have our own responsibilities and things that we need to do that take us away from the magic. So here is just a couple of things that you can do, in my opinion, um, if you'd like to give them a try to bring that magic into your day-to-day life. Um, Now, cleaning and cleansing. For the most part, at some point, we will all clean something. You might not be responsible for cleaning the entire house, but maybe you're cleaning your bedroom or you have like a designated zone or something. At some point, somebody's going to clean something. So once you've cleaned a room or a space, you know, physically, why not spiritually do it as well? So a great thing to do, I just integrate the two together. It's basically part of my cleaning routine. Um, Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be smoke cleansing or doing anything really big and elaborate. Um, Even a little sound bowl or a bell, if you have one, can be a great way. If you have a besom, you know, there's lots of ways. We'll do a whole episode on on cleansing and, and those sorts of things. But just tying that with your everyday cleaning great way to do it. You're already there. So you may as well, um, bathing. So you can, whether you're using a bath or, or a shower, you can imbue soap or your shower gel or whatever you're using to cleanse your body with sigils. So if it's soap, you can carve a sigil into the soap. So that way, every time you're washing your body, you are feeling whatever intention, whatever, whatever you've put into that soap, you can feel that and and be there you're showering anyway at least i hope <laughs> you know that you're you're cleaning yourself so you're doing it anyway why not make it a magical and spiritual experience if it's shower gel then you can ride it onto the bottle if you want to um or you could even um you know kind of draw the sigil onto your body as you clean yourself if that makes sense um now <laughs> This won't be for everyone, but a cold water plunge and affirmation. I really, this is a love-hate relationship (laughs) for me. I really love cold plunging and I cringe and detest cold plunging at the same time. I would love to have an actual like body of water that I could regularly go into or a cold plunge tub myself. I don't, I don't have one, but what I do do, do do is at the end of my shower, I will turn off the hot water, have only cold water going, and then I'll step back in. Um, and t- for me, that's a, a cold plunge and I'll stay there for, you know, 30 seconds or so. So many great health benefits and there's so much science to back up, you know, all these fantastic, phenomenal things that it does for your body. But what I do at the same time to make it 
magical is I say, and it helps me get through it, is I say affirmations and incantations and I set intentions for myself while I'm doing it. And I tell you what, while you're doing something that is so uncomfortable for the body, but you also feel really energetic, you feel really alive and you also feel so accomplished as well. It's like, I've, I've done this thing. So I, I would say positive affirmations, things like, you know, I am fearless. I'm powerful. I step out of my comfort zone. I would say things like that to myself in that moment in time. And you get out of that shower and you're, you know, you're ready to go. So I understand cold plunges aren't for everyone, but that is something that I like to do. Um, makeup, glamour magic. If you wear makeup and you enjoy wearing makeup, um, using that as a glamour for your your particular intention or, you know, even sometimes for wards and things like that, you can use it for as well. Um, a great thing to do. You're already there. You're already doing it. Getting dressed is another way, whether it's the color, you know, how you select the color of your clothing or the type of clothing that you're wearing to reflect, you know, what your magical intention or, or what you would like to do for that day. At the same time, making it practical for your, what you're physically going to be doing for that day. But one thing that I like to do is I like to carry crystals with me. I have a bunch of tiny little crystals. And so I actually moved my crystals. I had them somewhere else, but these tiny little crystals that I, you know, carry on my body, I have put into my wardrobe where my clothes are. So as I'm going through and I'm picking out the clothes that I'm going to wear for the day, they're right there. I'm seeing them and I can select the crystal that I'm going to take with me. It it's good because it's visual, so it's all there, but it's also, it just reminds me to do it because I found that when I had them kind of tucked away or um, with my witchy things or if they were out on my altar, that's not where I'm getting dressed and getting ready. So often at the start of the day, things are hectic and crazy, you know, life is happening. I don't always remember to do it. So having it physically there, it makes it just so easy for me to go, yeah, this is a onyx kind of day. I'm going to grab that whatever that might be. So that's a little something that I like to do. Um, creating sigils. I mean, you can do this in kitchen magic. It's great, you know, carving sigils into things. As I mentioned before, I have two small children. So I do like to, um, you know, if we're doodling or doing some art or something like that, I feel like that's a great time for me to kind of sit there and I just doodle. Um, you know, it's like I'm doing art with them, but I'm also creating magic and experimenting and and that's really great. Um, cooking. Whenever I'm in the kitchen, cooking can be a really magical experience for me. And it can also be one of the most dreaded, I'm just so tired. I can't be bothered. Like icky just experiences for me. So what I've got into the habit of doing, especially when I'm feeling like I just can't be bothered and I don't want to be in there. I light some incense and I play some witchy music and immediately just that the scent, um, the lighting, it just takes me to a different place. And all of a sudden I'm transformed from that. I don't want to be in the kitchen to, it just brings this sense of, I am creating magic. I am creating this for my family and it's just a nicer way to be. I'm going to be in that kitchen anyway. And it takes me two seconds to light those things. It's just making that connection to do it and creating that habit. Um, and again, kitchen magic. Yep. If you're doing it anyway, (laughs) why not? You know, why not? 
um, researching. So I like to carve out a time of the day and basically set an appointment with myself. So I like to read books on the craft. I like to watch YouTube and, you know, just do what I can to, to learn and learn and learn and try and absorb as much as I can about it. I've been through periods of time where I'm like, yeah, I'll do that one day. I can't wait to read that book, but I don't set that time for myself. I don't make an appointment with myself to do it. So I never do it. I just don't. So I had to sit down and make, you know, some compromises with myself. Like, okay, I'm watching this much TV every single night. Well, I'm not going to do that. You know, instead that's going to be my reading time. And sometimes I'm reading magical things. Other times I am reading, you know, just a novel or something like Atomic Habits, just like a self-help. They're kind of like the genres that I, I tend to to go towards. And sometimes it's just too much for my brain and I'm just watching YouTube or something like that. So I, I do like to follow what my body and mind needs at that moment. But by carving out that time to be like, you know what, there is an hour before bed where for the most part I am I am reading and researching the craft. And because I've set that time aside, I actually do it. Um, rubbish, household rubbish, sort it out and dispose of it appropriately. You know, we're pagans, we're connected to mother nature. Nature is important. If you're chucking rubbish in the bin anyway, why not do it um, mindfully and make sure that you're doing, I know that waste disposal is different depending on where you are in the world, but wherever you are and whatever your rules are, uh, you know, do what you can. You know, it's, it could be something so mundane and so boring, yet it can also, to me, in my opinion, be something so um, magical. This is just part of a love letter to nature um, that you can be doing in your day-to-day life. Um, indoor plants, outdoor plants, make moon water, you know, and water it with them. If you're going to water your plants anyway, why not make why not make it magical? Um, I'm going to try and kind of, you know, I'm trying to be mindful of time. So I'm going to try and speed through these a little bit quicker. Um, practice breath work. So pick some time throughout the day, some cues, some triggers, um, and do your breath work then. So this might be a little bit of an overshare, but when I was pregnant with both of my boys, pelvic floor exercises are something that are just, you know, you have to do them. Like you got to do your pelvic floors. You got to do it this amount of times a day um, in order to like keep everything um, under control, (laughs) to have some control. So their suggestion was pick something that you do throughout the day and that's going to be your trigger. And so for the pelvic floor exercises, they recommended, you know, every time you're at a red light, do your pelvic floor exercises. So, you know, there you go. Every time you're at a red light, you could do some breathing exercises. Now for me, I didn't have many red lights, at least not enough to actually like fulfill my required pelvic Kegel requirements. So I had to choose something that was relevant. Um, I'm a dental nurse. And at the time, um, you know, I was nursing for a dentist that would do a lot of checkups and cleans. So every time we did a clean, that was my trigger (laughs) to do pelvic floor exercises. So that's, that's that. That's all. I, <laughs> that's all I have to say. But for something like breath work, we're breathing all the time, right? So technically, you could do it anytime. Like that's completely fine. But to remember to actually do it, 
you need to create a trigger. So when is a good time to trigger that breath work? That might be while you're sitting on the toilet. It might be, I I, I don't know, when you're checking social media, whatever that is for you, find a time that is appropriate where it will work and make it that trigger that, okay, when I do this, I'm going to do this small amount of breath work. Um, If you're outside already, take your shoes off. You know, if you just like, if it's appropriate, if you're not going to hurt or cut your feet or you're not, you know, in a place where it might be like socially unacceptable to do so, you're outside anyway, take your shoes off, ground yourself. Why not? Meditation in movement and mindfulness. Um, you know, you're brushing your teeth every day. Why not do it mindfully? It's meditation in movement. It can just, it, it can help with so many things. Um, I would recommend following the moon cycles and like, if you want astrology, that's not for everybody and and that's okay. But um, there's just so much information online and and free apps and and things. But what I like to do is planning ahead. Now, if you do this in your everyday life, I certainly do as as a parent, um, I schedule and I I plan my time. I will go through my calendar. I'm putting through, and I'm not talking magical things. I'm just talking about, you know, all of our appointments and social events and all the things going on with the kids, everything that I need to know, I put on the calendar. I'm sitting there and I'm doing it anyway. So while I'm doing that, I also just check the moon cycles. Okay. What are the upcoming, um, Sabbaths? When are the, what are the moon? When's the new moon? When's the full moon? When are there, is there a time free and night free where I can do um, an elaborate ritual where I can, you know, block that time off for myself. Cause otherwise if I'm just kind of waiting for, you know, a few hours to pop up and be free, it doesn't really happen very often in my life. So I need to, I don't need to know what it is that I'm doing at that time, but just to notice ahead. And then that way I can schedule in what I would need to do. So planning, it's a very mundane thing, but why not add those magical things into that as well. Or even just, if you don't know what to do, carve out some time to be like, okay, I need to, I'm going to go out in nature. I'm going to do something in nature on Sunday. Um, yeah, really, really helpful. I find if it's in the calendar, you're far more likely to, to follow through with that. So those are just some of my recommendations. I, I hope it at least, even if you're not necessarily going to try one of those the things that I've recommended, which is completely fine. I hope it at least gives you the idea where you're starting to kind of think in your mind, all right, what do I already do every single day? And what is something, what's a magical spin that I can put in it and tie to that to build my magical practice? Because it may not be that you're practicing your craft from morning to night, but if you have quite a few little things just sprinkled in throughout your day. Like I said, with the meditation, you know, analogy and the breath work, it's just those different moments throughout the day where you come back to your craft and you, you remember, and it keeps it consistent. And to me, I feel far more spiritual and I feel far more connected through doing these little things on a daily basis than doing not a whole lot and then doing one kind of big extravagant gesture to try and make up for that. So I'll leave it there today. That's really that's really it. Actually, one last one last example just because I'm looking at it tea, herbal tea. 
there's nothing really more magical to me than, well, within smelling incense, but drinking a herbal tea. I have this one that I got from a local market. Um, it's called Maiden Mother Crone Goddess. And when I drink this tea, this particular blend, it just smells and tastes like a witch. <laughs> I can't... I can't explain it, but I, I use this often in rituals and circle casting and things like that. So if I'm having a very mundane moment, just sipping on that tea immediately makes me feel more witchy um, and just setting the scene as well. You might be going about, uh, you know, everyday things, but, you know, light some candles or burn some incense, you know, dim, dim the lights, just do what you can to kind of create a bit of a relaxed and and magical atmosphere even if you're doing mundane things it really can just add add that little extra something and just make you be aware of it and mindful and still thinking about it and it's still in your heart and it's still with you throughout you know throughout your days even if you don't have that big chunk of time to carve out to dedicate to your craft it is something that is ever present and constantly a part of you and that is how you go from you know being interested to in my opinion to to being a practice a magical practitioner who is actually practicing and living and breathing their craft um, is because it's just with you all the time and that's not necessarily going to happen overnight it's something that you practice and build and I think by creating these habits and tying it to what we're already doing it's a great way to get started so if you've made it all the way to the end thank you so much it's been so nice to chat with you today uh, I really kind of just went off on my own thing today so I hope it all made sense I hope I didn't ramble too much for you but I hope you're inspired as well and if you're in a slump none of that witch guilt okay it's totally fine get back into it whenever you're ready and remember momentum not motivation I hope you have an amazing magical day and we'll see you next time blessed be